Welcome to the EFL Preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. In a week that has seen a new era dawn at Hewish Park, we've had plenty of football going on elsewhere across England. We've got four competitions for us to review over the course of tonight before we turn our heads to all three sets of leagues in England's second, third and fourth divisions. As always, you'll get the same level of insight and analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. So, without further ado, let's jump into the games that took place during midweek. And we will start with the Championship. Now, there was one game on Monday that we had missed, and we'll start with that one. Swansea City 1, Rotherham United 1. Chedi Bene earned Rotherham a precious point in their bid to stay in the Championship as Swansea's poor form continued. Joel Peroy's precise finish put Swansea on course for what would have been a welcome win, but long-term Swansea target Ogbené prodded home to ensure Rotherham deservedly took something from a nervy contest. The draw means the Millers move six points clear of the bottom three. Swansea stay 15th after what ultimately was another disappointing evening for Russell Martin's team, who have now only won three of their last 18 league games, having looked like genuine playoff contenders in the autumn, and were booed off by some sections of a tense home crowd. Moving to Tuesday now, and we will start with Preston North End nil, Coventry City nil. Coventry City's three-game winning run came to an end in a goalless draw at Preston that did little to strengthen either side's hopes of reaching the playoffs. The informed visitors went closest when Freddie Woodman parried Callum Doyle's first fierce long strike behind and Jamie Allen shot narrowly over. Preston did not produce an effort on target in the first half as their unbeaten streak extended to four games with a draw that left the host seven points shy of the top six. Brad Potts sent a volley high and wide and Chet Evans sliced his finish out of play after breaking free in front of goal as Preston failed to score for a third time in five matches. And finally, Luton Town 2, Millwall 2. Luke Berry scored a late equaliser for Luton to deny Millwall a victory at Kenilworth Road. The Lions were seemingly heading towards a win, having led 2-0 thanks to individual moments of farce and controversy. They were gifted an early goal when Luton goalkeeper Ethan Horvath spilled a Zion Fleming shot into his own net before Tom Bradshaw scored Millwall's second, despite teammate George Honeyman appearing to be in an offside position before delivering the assist. But the hosts were determined not to be on the end of hard luck story. They pulled one back through Elijah Adebayo just before the hour, with Berry scoring a dramatic long-range low effort to not only level the scores, but ensure a fifth successive Kenilworth Road draw between the two playoff rivals. Now... A fixture, uh, competition that we don't normally uh, see too much about on the EFL review is, of course, the FA Cup. But plenty of matches have been taking place over the course of this week where we saw the entire of the fifth round not taking place on a weekend. Not something I'm super on board with, but nevertheless, let's take a look at the fixtures that took place. Now, we'll, we'll gloss over those that were more of a all-Premier League affair. So we've got the likes of Fulham 2, Leeds United 0. Uh, but we're also equally as interested in the games that, of course, involved EFL 
uh, participants. So, we'll start with Tuesday. And we'll start with Stoke City nil, Brighton and Hove Albion 1. Brighton's hopes of securing a first major trophy remain alive as Evan Ferguson's first half goal proved enough to secure a place in the FA Cup's sixth round. Ferguson's far post effort saw a a battling Stoke outfit who came closest to equalising when defender Axel Twanzebe sent a far post header across goal and narrowly wide. It is Brighton's third quarter final appearance in six years, having previously only been in there twice in their history. They reached the final in 1983 when they were beaten in a replay by Manchester United and the semi-final in 2019 where they lost to Manchester City. Leicester City won, Blackburn Rovers 2. Championship high flyers Blackburn Rovers caused an FA Cup fifth round upset by stunning Premier League outfit Leicester City. Rovers, fourth in the table and aiming for a return to the top flight, where they have not played for more than a decade, were more than a match for 2021 Cup winners Leicester. Their dynamic display, in which they should have scored more goals, gave them a place in the last eight for the first time in eight years. Having been denied by Daniel Iverson's flying save, Tyrese Dolan curled past Leicester's Danish goalkeeper for the opener. Former Glover Ryan Hedges then missed a gilt-edged opportunity to double the visitors' lead at the start of the second period when he failed to hit the target from 10 yards out. It didn't prove costly as Sammy Schmodix wriggled clear to convert Rovers' second in the 52nd minute, while the midfielder also had a goal ruled out for offside. Substitute Kalechi Iheanacho pulled one back for the Foxes by slotting in from close range, but a dull and dreary night ended in disappointment for Brendan Rodgers' men. As we've already mentioned, there was an old Premier League tie, finishing Fulham 2, Leeds United 0. And the final game that took place on the Tuesday, Bristol City 0, Manchester City 3. Phil Foden says he feels 100% fit after one of the worst parts of his career, as his double sent Manchester City past championship side Bristol City in the FA Cup quarter-final. England attacking midfielder Foden lost his place in the side starting lineup after some disappointing performances following the World Cup. But he has now scored three goals in four days, having netted against Bournemouth on Saturday. And Manchester, uh, Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola said Foden was back to his best for the season. The 22-year-old slammed in an early opener at the back post from Riyad Mahrez's ball across the six-yard box. He netted his second from Julian Alvarez's pass, with a first-time effort deflecting past Max O'Leary. Kevin De Bruyne added a wonderful third from 25 yards into the bottom corner late on for the visitors. Bristol City, who had been unbeaten in 12 games going back to the 26th of December, gave a good account of themselves for long spells, with Mark Sykes' penalty appeal waved off and Alex Scott forcing a save from Stefan Ortega. But treble chasing Manchester City could have won by more, with Calvin Phillips hitting the crossbar after just the first minute. But with that in mind, let's have our first interview of the night and listen to Bristol City boss Nigel Pearson. No, it's not the result we wanted, but you must be very proud of the way the players went about trying to express themselves. I thought we were... Yeah, look, I mean, there were parts of it that we we could do better, but I'm not being funny. We we gave them a tough game tonight, and they know they've been in a... You know, to, to concede so early and perform as well as we did for the in the rest of the first half I think it's really commendable I thought we were we, we were excellent at times tonight we caused them problems we we stretched them for really long periods during the game tonight so 
Yeah, on another night, things might be a little bit uh, a bit tighter, but they know they've been in a tough game. So what pleases me more than anything is we were true to ourselves. We, we didn't uh, change our game to try and nullify them. We tried to... We tried to beat them being ourselves, and, and uh, we had a good go at it. You wanted the players to be tenacious, and they had to be when you went 1-0 down so early. Yeah, they had to show a bit of courage, actually, and, and I thought they did it very well. Um, look, we've got, a, we've got a... Not only have we got an honest group of players, we've got a, quite a talented group too. So, for me, it's, it, it's... You always learn a lot about the players that you have when they go through a bit of adversity. So we've seen a bit of that already this season. Um, we've, we've earned the right over the last 12 games to take on the best side in the country at home and giving them, a, a, at times, a difficult game. Um, so to lose our unbeaten run to a side like that's no disgrace. And we've certainly... You know, the players are disappointed because we feel we should have done better tonight. But I think that tells you about where we are as well. The relationship with the supporters, you've talked a lot about it. Yeah. It's two-way. You need to give them something to cheer about. They can spur you on. 25,000, most of them with a red and white scarf. How good was the atmosphere tonight? The atmosphere was brilliant. And I think that's something that... I, look, it has been all season. I hope our fans go home tonight recognising that they have a, 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 a group of players who really care about playing for their team. And, uh, yeah, we're disappointed that we didn't do better tonight. And, and, and look, that's a good thing as well, because uh, we know the fans are behind us. We want to deliver success for them. And uh, back to business tomorrow, I'm afraid. And for some of those young players at the end, Marley Francois, Omar Taylor-Clark, what kind of experience and what kind of lesson will they have from tonight? Well, they've got a taste of the big time, so they have to... They have to understand that to get that again, they're going to have to work really hard. And, uh, and we don't give them that opportunity lightly. So, good for them, but but uh, if they want that again, they're going to have to work really hard for it. So, look, lots of really good things tonight. We're disappointed to lose, of course, uh, but uh, on to the next game now. Always nice to hear uh, a regular participant of the EFL review. Now, moving on to Wednesday's fixtures, and we've got the only all-EFL tie, which finished Burnley 1, Fleetwood Town 0. Burnley manager Vincent Company is looking forward to a special day after his side beat League One Fleetwood Town to set up an FA Cup quarter-final against his former club, Manchester City. Former Glover, Connor Roberts' late winner, booked Burnley's place in the last eight for the first time in 20 years. The Welsh international flicked home from close range in the last minute as Fleetwood had to play the second half with ten men after Kean Hayes was sent off for a high challenge on Josh Cullen. Company described it as being a great, feel- a great feeling after the Clarets were drawn against City, of which his, his ties are extremely strong in, in an understatement to absolutely everybody. 
Company, of course, spent 11 years at City, eight of which he served as club captain, winning 10 major trophies. The game itself wasn't actually that spectacular of an effort, and it was a really, really cagey affair, of which you have to be really uh, highly commendable of Scott Brown's men for keeping the high f- uh, championship high flyers at bay for as long as they did. An all-Premier League tie that also took place on Wednesday finished Manchester United 3, West Ham United 1, and I think we can all agree everyone here at Three Valleys Radio doesn't really care about Man United. Sorry, Rick and Aidy. Anyway... The two arguably big games that took place on Wednesday. Which one should we start with? Let's start with Sheffield United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 0. Illiman and Dai scored a superb late winner as championship side Sheffield United stunned Tottenham to progress to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. As the game looked to be adding to, heading to extra time, substitute and Dai weaved past a couple of defenders before beating Fraser Forster with a low strike at the near post. Tottenham, who beat Chelsea at the weekend to boost their hopes of a top-four finish, looked off the pace as they struggled to test Blades goalkeeper Wes Fodringham in a game that I actually watched throughout and really, really wish I hadn't. Richarlison blasted a shot over the bar from close range but failed to make an impact, forcing Spurs to turn to trusty Harry Kane as the second half wore on. But even the club's all-time scorer, uh, top scorer was unable to really test a fired-up Sheffield United. Kane had just the one real chance to score when he rose unmarked to meet a cross in the final few seconds, but somehow headed wide. The Blades, who were chasing to promotion to the Premier League, of course, then held firm to secure a famous win. The reward is an all-championship tie with Blackburn in the last eight. And finally, the big game that took place and still showing that this FA Cup is still firmly magical. Southampton 1, Grimsby Town 2. League 2, Grimsby Town reached the FA Cup quarterfinals for the first time in 84 years as penalties either side of half-time stunned Premier League strugglers Southampton. Gavin Holahan put the visitors ahead shortly before the interval after referee Thomas Bramall ruled Lianco had blocked Josh Emmanuel's cross with his arm. Southampton defender Duje Coletta Carr then caught Danilo Orsi with a flailing hand not long after the restart, allowing Holahan to convert his second spot kick of the game. Coletta Carr's close-range finish gave Saints hope, and Theo Walcott had a late equaliser ruled out for offside, as Grimsby held on to spark scenes of mass celebration among the 4,000 travelling Mariners fans, who can now look forward to a trip to Brighton in the last eight. Grimsby are just the sixth team from the fourth tier to or below to reach the last eight of the FA Cup since the introduction of the division in the 1958-59 season, and the first since National League Lincoln City shocked Premier League Burnley in 2017. They are 13th from the fourth division or below to have beaten top flight opponents in the competition since the Football League was rebranded at the start of the 2004-2005 campaign. And for me personally, I'm absolutely delighted for it, simply because we still get to see the inflatable cot that uh, graced uh, St Mary's over the course of Wednesday. Who says that football still can't be fun? So let's get ourselves back to EFL fixtures now and we'll turn to the games that took place in League One, of which we've got four to talk about. We'll start with Derby County 2, Cheltenham Town, nil. David McGoldrick played a starring role as promotion chasing Derby beat struggling Cheltenham at Pride Park. The striker scored his 16th league goal of the season before setting up Lewis Dobbin to seal a comfortable victory. McGoldrick killed a shot just wide as Derby dominated the opening exchanges, but a poor pass from Ewing Cashin put Ryan Broom in, only for the defender to recover and make a vital block. 
Cheltenham were frustrating Derby, but two minutes before the break, Connor Hurahan's cross was deflected to McGoldrick, who smashed a shot home from 12 yards. Derby had a chance to increase their lead in the 54th minute when Dobbin broke through on the left, but his shot was too close to Luke Southwood. Southwood had no chance in the 67th minute when McGoldrick slipped past the Cheltenham defender and picked out Dobbin, who this time made no mistake. That was enough to take Derby up to fifth, eight points from their automatic promotion places, while Cheltenham stayed two points above the drop. With that in mind, let's listen to Three Valley's favourite, Paul Warren. Well, Paul, you said you wanted to get Saturday out of your system, and you've won tonight. Yeah, uh, I think we'll play better. Uh, but in fairness, you know, you have to play against the opposition. Cheltenham made it really hard, obviously um, frustrated us first half, and it was good to score the goal just before half-time. Um, we may could have we could have scored probably another couple of goals, which would have settled the, the stadium, I think. Um, but the second goal, obviously, was a massive boost. And to keep a clean sheet... Um, and I just said to the lads in there, like they're going to. I've said all along, you've got to lose football games. It's about how you react and how you, you know, go from being a, a loser to a winner, really. And uh, they came up tonight. They performed um, uh, physically a lot better. But like I said, we could have been better on the ball, I think, at times. But that's not a massive criticism. It's just about winning games at this time of season, and we need to keep winning our home games, especially. Um, uh, because our waveform hasn't been as amazing as I would like. So, yeah, 2-0, pretty pleased, no injuries, got as many people off the pitch as we could and the subs went on and had an effect. So, yeah, pretty good night, I think. I know there were a couple of yellow cards and, and you probably might not welcome those, but there seemed to be a bit more bite about, about some of your players tonight. Yeah, well, you say that. I mean, we lost 4-1 at the weekend and I don't think we had one yellow card. So I would rather that. I, I was, you know, there's certain parts of our play that didn't please me or the staff or the players really when we watched it back from the weekend and I thought we were a lot better we tried to stop counter-attacks obviously that was their their game plan I thought we stopped them pretty well apart from one in the first half where he got through but apart from that but in fairness Cheltenham's press was very similar to Barnsley's we were expecting that and they press really fast and we sometimes picked the wrong pass where we were trying to go to fullback but you know, they'd released it was more into the um, the wide man but uh, generally speaking we made more good decisions than bad so like I said, to win 2-0 and uh, off the back of the performance at the weekend is good and sets us up for a, a tough game at the weekend. Shrewsbury on really good form, the probably informed side of the league then Wednesday. So it's going to be a really tough game and we'll probably have to be a little bit better, truth be told. But the lads can go home, have a nice rest and come in Thursday on the back of a win, feel refreshed and go again. We were just looking at the numbers and we think David McGoldrick might be on, on to, if not already, at, at his best goal-scoring season. Just how important is he to you? Well, in, well, in fairness, he got both tonight, didn't he? He set one up and scored one, so essential. And you obviously need um, uh, your strikers to chip in with goals. Um, and currently, we're still not um, amazing on set pieces and that, so you need him goals from set players. You can see my pain, can't you? I, I know you can feel it. So you, you need your strikers to chip in, as you do with your midfielders and that. I thought Dobbs was a real threat tonight, but I haven't mentioned that. I thought Dobbs was one of the outstanding players. But... Um, yeah, Didsy's overall play is really good um, and, and makes us a better team. So uh, long may that continue. Happy to be back here again on Saturday for the Shrewsbury game? I'd like a couple of weeks off, if I'm honest. I'd like an international break where we could all get some sun. I now realise I look like I'm 90. Uh, but yeah, to play another home game is good. And then, you know, we're on, uh, we're on our travels, aren't we? Um, so yeah, hopefully we can perform a little bit better Saturday because I think, you know, the 
no disrespect, uh, the opposition's a bit harder and if we've got to win that game, we've got to be right at it. Um, very good, um, strong team, very good at set pieces in that as well and they make it really hard, work really hard, so we're going to have to be very good on the ball and off the ball. Um, so, yeah, look forward to the game on the back of this win. Um, we can go in. I think someone told me Bolton lost, so that's always positive as well. No offence to Bolton fans, but if you're watching this, you're on the wrong channel. Um, so, yeah, so in all, all in all, it's been a good night. Thanks, Paul. Lincoln City 1, MK Dons 1. Brentford Loney Paris Magoma was MK Dons' late hero as he secured a dramatic one draw at Lincoln. The Imps, who maintain their impressive unbeaten home record in the league this term, have become draw specialists of late, and this was their 13th in 16 league games at Sinsel Bank. Light work for those of us of a Yeovil persuasion, of course. Daniel Mandrew opened the scoring after just five minutes, but Magoba struck late on to salvage a precious point for the relegation threat in Dons. Mandrew picked up Jack Diamond's pass and superbly curled home his fourth league goal of the season to give the hosts an early lead. The visitors huffed and puffed but struggled to break down Mark Kennedy's side as they looked destined to slip to a fourth straight defeat. Their best chance seemingly had come and gone when Mo Issa saw his header cleared off the line by Pordie O'Connor. Striker Will Grigg was frustrated at his low close-range effort was kept out by Impskeeper Carl Rushworth. Mandrew came close to making it two when his long-range strike rattled the post and that came back to haunt the hosts as former Tottenham youth player Magoma found the equaliser with a minute left to go. Peterborough United nil, Charlton Athletic nil. Peterborough had defender Josh Knight sent off in the second half flare-up during a goalless draw with Charlton. Knight was dismissed by referee Andrew Kitchen in the 54th minute after kicking out at Charlton forward Jezerin Raksaki as the pair clashed on the floor. Raksaki was hugely fortunate not to follow Knight down the tunnel, escaping with a yellow card for lashing out at Knight in retaliation. Another Peterborough player, Jack Taylor, was also booked for an initial foul on Raksaki, which sparked the initial incident. Charlton were unable to make their numerical advantage count, with captain George Dobson firing over and substitute Corey Blackett-Taylor being denied by posh goalkeeper Will Norris. Ryan Innes had an earliest chance squandered, uh, of which it was Charlton's best chance of a low-key first half, when hebbing over from a Sean Clare corner. Peterborough rarely threatened, with League One's leading scorer, Johnson Clark Harris, coming closest when his header midway through the first half was kept out by a smart Ashley Maynard Brewer save. Taylor tested Maynard Brewer in stoppage time once more, after dribbling from box to box, only to be denied. And finally in League One, Portsmouth 3, Bolton Wanderers 1. Riley Toller's double helped Portsmouth fight back to beat promotion-chasing Bolton in a pulsating game at Fratton Park. A strike from Dion Charles early in the second half looked to have set in-form Bolton on course for victory. But centre-back Tola struck twice in the space of 11 minutes, his first poppy goals, before striker Colby Bishop sealed the comeback win. In an even first half, Ronan Curtis came closing to, closest to putting Pompey in front, chipping over from a tight angle, while Manchester United loney Shola Shortire also saw an effort blocked for Bolton. The visitors took the lead on 48 minutes when a corner was forced home by Dion Charles, but Pompey drew level 17 minutes from time as Tola headed in Joe Rafferty's free kick. The home side took the lead with six minutes left to play when Tola poked in his second before Bishop's death flick in the 87th minute sealed the points. With that in mind, let's listen to Portsmouth boss John Massinho. Well, John, what a result, what a performance. A special night at Fratton Park. How did you find it? 
Yeah, exactly that. You've, you've summed it up really well there. They found it to be a really special night at Fratton Park. And one of the things I think that summed up the, the night for me was when we went 1-0 down. And we'd come out after half-time with, um, with a lot of... The, the place had a lot of energy and all of a sudden we found ourselves 1-0 down at home against one of the best sides in the league. And all I heard then from the Fratton end was... Earth and, and everywhere on the... On the um, around the stadium was a huge reaction and it just it, it definitely lifted me it clearly lifted the players uh, they didn't get their heads down they got right back into the game and, and exactly that a really special night and, and the more of those we can have here the better You made a slight tactical change late in the second half bringing Dane Scarlett on just explain that one and how it changed the game Yeah so I mean we wanted to keep the same shape because we felt that Bolton were dangerous enough with, with Morley as their six dropping in and dictating play and so the, the message to Dane was to make sure that defensively he stayed on Morley um, but also he he offered he offers something different uh, to, to what we had, and he can sort of break beyond and, and pick up a lot of the balls coming off Colby because I thought Colby had a really good night up against one of the, the league's best centre halves, um, and it was really about that. It was getting getting Dane as an attacking threat running beyond, and yeah, he, he made a real difference. Um, so yeah, trying to keep the same shape. We didn't want to go um, gung ho and go all out and, and go four four two and just go a bit too direct early on, and thankfully it, it paid off. Riley Towler, if you're going to get your first goal, you may as well get your second. How pleased are you with his performance and how must he be feeling right now? Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's absolutely he's, he's ecstatic. He's, he's thrilled. He's such a nice kid, Riley, and, and he's, he's worked really hard. And uh, since, you know, since I think he's been in the building and, and certainly since I've come in. And, and, and it's brilliant. If you can add that sort of threat to your game as a centre-half, then uh, you, you're going places. You know, that's, that's one of the things that we, we want from, obviously, all of our players, more goal contributions, but... Um, particularly centre half, so you can get a few um, from set pieces every season. Then uh, you, you know you're in a, a really good spot. So um, yeah, really pleased for him. Colby Bishop with the third goal. How important is that for him? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I suppose it will be for him internally. But again, it does make a difference to me. Um, you know, with in terms of Colby's performances, that's what I'm focusing on. It does make a difference to me because I want us to, I want him to score, and want to win games. But it's Colby's performances that I'm focused on. It's it's what he does for the rest of the side and what a nuisance he causes, and and it's a nuisance with a lot of quality. He's not just a big man that we we hit it to and he, he can't he can't trap the ball. He can do, he can do he can do the lot to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, brilliant. Really, really pleased for Colby because I know not nothing's coming come from me, but I, I know there's been a bit of pressure building because of the chances he's had in the last couple of games. And yeah, to get that goal, hopefully that just lifts that monkey off his back and and he goes on to um, you know, score many more. Three set pieces, three goals. How pleasing is it to see the hard work on the training ground pay off? Uh, yeah, really, really pleasing. I mean, from from my point of view, the. Uh, the hard work comes from from the performance that we, we put in for for 90 minutes. To be honest, particularly the reaction from the goal. Um, if we're looking at the specifics and in, in digging in, that's uh, that's Joe Prodomo that, that deserves the credit for the set pieces. He spends a huge amount of time doing them, and he puts a whole a whole lot of detail into it that just makes my life a lot easier because of um, the amount of the amount of work and the amount of time he takes off it. And it's brilliant to be able to trust someone who's that good at doing it and has got that much knowledge. And, and more importantly, the lads, um, you know, the lads love him. They, they take on board what he says clearly. And um, it's, it's really, really pleasing from, from that point of view because set pieces are massively, massively important. What's the mood like in the dressing room after that one? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably as you can imagine, they're, they're all ecstatic and... Um, it's one of the one of the strange things in football that you need to try and harness that that energy and, and the joy and, and everything that they've they've sort of shown in there tonight, but also just make sure that we yeah, keep our feet on the ground. It's, it's you know, without um, without being putting too much of a dampener on it. It's you know, make sure you you go again. And you have to do the right things and you have to 
recover tonight, recover tomorrow and, and come back in on Thursday ready to go again because we've got a really big game again on Saturday and I, I know I, I said to the lads I sound a bit like a broken record saying that but unfortunately it's true so yeah really brilliant atmosphere and, and hopefully they enjoy it but uh, not for too long and they're back in training on Thursday. And just one final one from me. Tom Lowry returned to the squad tonight. Didn't manage to get on due to the context of the, the late drama, but how pleasing is it to see him finally make his return to the squad? Yeah, brilliant. I know we've been managing Tom for a number of weeks now and uh, we've been you know, hoping to, to get him back in the fold and, and tonight seemed like the perfect night. We thought that if we needed something different, then Tom would be the one where we could um, we could bring him on and he was very close to coming on and, and before we before we scored the goal. And then it just you know, it turned into a game where I thought we were really on top with the players that we had on, on the pitch at that time. So, um, yeah, Tom will get his chances, no doubt about that, but he's been excellent in terms of uh, his preparation coming back, the way he's trained, the way he's worked, and obviously we all know about the quality that he has, and I'm sure we'll see it very soon. So, what has that done to the League One table? Well, a few small but important changes. The playoff spots still remain largely the same, with Ipswich third, Bolton fourth, despite their loss to Portsmouth. But, with two games in hand beneath them, sit Derby County, who have overtaken Barnsley. There's actually now four games at play difference between Bolton and Barnsley. Bolton fourth, with 35 games played, 62 points. Derby, 33 games played, 60 points. And Bar- uh, that was Derby, sorry. And Barnsley, 31 games played, 59 points. So there is still all to play for in and around the playoff spots. Peterborough's draw has uh, meant that they've overtaken Shrewsbury and have got a game in hand above them, so sit solidly in eighth position. And Charlton and Lincoln playing over the uh, midweek has both overtaken Bristol Rovers, moving into 13th and 14th, respectively. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. So, games still left to play during midweek were in League 2, and we'll start with AFC Wimbledon 2, Stevenage 3. Luke Norris struck a late winner as Stevenage revitalised their promotion push in League 2 with a dramatic 3-2 victory at AFC Wimbledon. Just like their hosts, Stevenage had not won in five league games and looked set to be denied by Ali Alhamadi's double, but they were able to lift themselves back to second in the table. Stevenage goalkeeper Toby Savin made good saves to deny Josh Davison and Alhamadi, but was at fault as Wimbledon took the lead when he missed Amani Little's cross with the ball rolling in after hitting Alhamadi. The Borough were much improved after half-time and turned things around with two goals in six minutes as Carl Piergiani headed in Jake Forster-Kasky's cross before Casey McAteer's own goal put them ahead. 
The Dons rallied and levelled after 74 minutes, when El Hamadi scored at the second attempt after somehow hitting the bar from close range. But Norris proved to be the match winner with just seven minutes left, when he finished firmly into the bottom corner after Dan Sweeney had flicked in on Forsty Kasky's initial free kick. Barrow 1, Salford City 1. Theo Vassell's own goal helped Barrow earn a one-all draw against playoff-chasing Salford. Vassell diverted a Sam McKelland pass into his own net 20 minutes from time. Salford, looking to follow up last weekend's 5-2 win at Mansfield, went in front from a rare source. George Ray's foul on the dangerous Louis Barry after 12 minutes earned the Amis a first spot kick of the season, and Ryan Watson converted for his seventh goal of the campaign. Barrow, buoyed by back-to-back wins over Bradford and Stockport, struggled to get into the game before half-time. They were more potent in the second half, and Vassell's unfortunate touch brought them level. Neither side sat back on the point, and it needed the intervention of home goalkeeper Paul Farman and opposite number Alex Cairns to keep the scores level. Farman pulled off three superb late saves, but Barrow could have snatched victory at the finish. Instead, Cairns pulled off a brilliant stop to deny substitute... Billy Waters. Gillingham 2, Bradford City. Oh, I'm going to start that again. Apologies. Gillingham 0, Bradford City 2. Bradford moved back into the League 2 playoff spots as Andy Cook scored his fifth goal in six games to help them be informed. Gillingham 2 0 at Priestfield. Richie Smallwood's header midway through the first half, opening the scoring for the away side before Cook's sublime finish after the interval halted Jill's three match winning streak. A slick move involving David Tadonda and George Lapsley, seven minutes in, ended with Dom Jeffrey shooting straight at Bradford goalkeeper Harry Lewis. The visitors took the lead after 27 minutes when skipper Smallwood got the better of Che Alexander to head Brett Halliday's cross pass to Glenn Morris. Jamie Walker's charging run through midfield saw them test Morris with a stinging drive from 25 yards, approaching the break. Cook capped an impressive performance by exquisitely dinking the ball over Morris to score his 18th league goal of the season four minutes after half-time. Lapsley claimed the closest to score a consolation for the hosts, who fell to only their second defeat in nine games. With that in mind, because we haven't heard from him for a while, let's listen to Bradford City boss Mark Hughes. Gaffer, another win on the road, two back-to-back now and four in the last five, must be pleased. Yeah, we're delighted. We're, we're at a point in the season where we're, we're trending really, really strongly at the moment. We've just got to keep this run going if we can. Uh, there's no reason why we can. We're playing well, we're playing with confidence, scoring goals, um, big performances from everybody. So, um, yeah, we've just got to, got to keep it going. We've got a big game of the weekend now. We just want to make sure we... We face that challenge and uh, get it done. It's, we're really looking forward to it. I think it's it's going to be a big crowd. I think it's what is it five five pound a ticket? I think in this game. So the likelihood is we'll have huge backing. We we just got to really play well and uh, and get the place bouncing. The performance tonight. You've mentioned that we'll control on Saturday and today. But coming here aside in real form, not lost here since the turn of the year. To put in that kind of performance and have the control over the game that we did must be really, really delightful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we talk a lot about control and and being measured and understanding what we need to do at key moments in the game. And I thought we managed the game really, really well today. Um, I keep on. Well, of late, I've been saying no dramas almost every every game because it, we never really feel like we're under too much pressure. Um, in these games, yeah, they tried to build a little bit of pressure towards the end, but 
made a couple of changes. I think that nipped their threat in the bud and never in any danger of losing this game, very much like at the weekend. Two very well taken goals and different types of goals as well, which which must be encouraging. Yeah, I, I thought we were a threat on the break all day long, but obviously they, they go very direct and um, we talked about the amount of players they commit forward. We always felt that if uh, we could get on second balls and, and get our first pass right, then uh, we'd release players ahead of the ball and uh, and we'd, we'd cause them a problem on the break. And uh, there was many occasions where we were, we were right back at their back four uh, as a consequence of just playing those first passes correctly. And uh, yeah, great goal from Richie, great header. Um, playing a, li- a little bit differently in terms of position-wise, but uh, been really effective for us. Great for him to score, and then Cookie pops up with a goal that's uh, is up there with his Mansfield goal. Though. Saw Romney Critchlow come on in the second half of return. For him, slight change of shape. Then I guess to have the strength in depth in terms of individuals, but also the versatility individually and collectively to play in different systems moving forward. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. Change helped us, so obviously we, you try and make changes that were going to uh, address uh, the threat that the opposition have. And it was clear that the last 20 minutes or so they were going to obviously look to hit more direct balls into our box, so we needed a little bit more strength there. So we did that change, but it's it's a good option. It's a very effective option for us. Uh, we can do that during games. We can we can start games. Uh, arguably with that formation as well so uh, yeah it's um, it's a good option for us You mentioned Saturday as you mentioned £5 tickets until match day I guess it should be a really incredible atmosphere and the call is for us to go out and, and put in forms and back these up Yeah yeah absolutely we've just had a couple of false stones at home when we've been really on the cusp of really kicking on and and we've just uh, fallen short Um we just got to make sure that doesn't happen. The weekend, I sense, given the way we're playing, that's not going to happen. We, we need to get the place bouncing. We need to get everybody in the frame of mind that uh, we're going to do something special this, this year. Harrogate Town 1, Northampton Town 1. Luke Armstrong's 11th goal of the season saw Harrogate edge five points clear of the relegation zone following a one-all home draw with promotion hopefuls Northampton. The Sulphurites gained a point on second bottom Crawley as Armstrong cancelled out Mitch Pinnock's opener for the Cobblers. Earlier, Harrogate had the best chance of the opening 45 minutes, but Danny Grant headed wastefully wide from Levi Sutton's right-wing cross, as his side have now scored just one first-half goal in their past 10 games. Instead, the Cobblers broke the deadlock in the 49th minute, after Harrogate's on-loan Southampton winger Kazim Oligarbi had given the ball away in his own half. Pinnock's 25-yard drive took a big deflection off Anthony O'Connor and spun into keeper Mark Oxley's bottom left corner. But the host's response was swift as the scores were levelled within a minute. Jack Muldoon sent in a low cross from the right, out from the left, sorry, and Armstrong made a space for a shot to find the bottom right corner from 15 yards. Tramia 1, Crawley Town 0. Tramia got their second win in four days with a narrow 1-0 victory over struggling Crawley at Prenton Park. Jordan Turnbull's third goal of the season ensured Mickey Mellon's side kept their slim playoff hopes alive, while Crawley remained in the relegation places. The visitors had the best opportunity to open the scoring in the first half, devoid of goalmouth action, when Ashley Nadderson forced a good save from Rovers keeper Joe Murphy. 
and the Red Devils continued to look the more dangerous after the break, as Don Telford and Jack Powell were both four saves from Murphy. But it was the home side who opened the scoring on 68 minutes, when Turnbull fired home a left-footed effort from 12 yards out. Crawley were handed a lifetime, a lifeline sorry, with 10 minutes remaining, when Joe Lynch was brought down in the box, only for Dom Telford to blast his spot kick over the bar. Tranmere could have doubled their lead and made the game safe moments later, but Turnbull's header crashed against the crossbar. So what's that done to the League 2 table? Well, a few rather important things. Stevenage have retaken what used to be their well... Uh, sat in position of second place, having re-overtaken Carlisle, and with a game in hand on them, it's unlikely Carlisle can make any significant ground with that, but they should be able to try and make decent ground up to Lake Norient, as they've got two games on the league leaders, uh, Lake Norient, 71 points from 34 games, Stevenage, 60 points from 32, and Carlisle, 58 from 33. In the playoffs, it's also slightly changed. Northampton and Stockport remain 4th and 5th, but Bradford's win moves them up to 6th position, pushing Mansfield out of the top 7. Tranmere's win has meant they've overtaken Doncaster. Harrogate's decent draw against Northampton hasn't changed much in the positions, but with them sat uh, now 5 points clear of Crawley, following their loss, uh, obviously at Tranmere. For great coverage of Yeovil Town Football Club. Oh, genius! Absolute genius! It has to be Three Valleys Radio. It's just really easy and simple to do, and you can just access it wherever there's an internet connection. And of course, you'll be able to catch all the usual Yeovil Town action as they entertain Woking this Saturday. Of course, Darren Sarles' men in what is a brand new era for Yeovil Town at Hewish Park, following the takeover of the SU Glovers Limited uh, earlier this week. So with just enough time over the last 20 minutes or so, let's of course go over all the fixtures that are taking place this weekend. And we'll start with the Championship, and we're not going to spend too much time on that, as we've actually got plenty of excitement I would like to focus on in League 2 this weekend. But one game taking place on Friday night, and that's going to be taking place between Hull City and West Bromwich Albion. West Bromwich Albion find themselves in 11th, with Hull in 16th. Obviously both teams in fairly decent form recently, with... uh, Uh, albeit Hull have uh, only picked up one win in the last five uh, or the entire of the month of February, but have had two decent draws against uh, Stoke Stoke and Preston uh, during that time. West Brom, however, who had started brilliantly under Carlos Corbron, which we must have focused on loads over the course of uh, the last couple of months here at the EFL Review, they have had two decent wins in February, which of course were against big names of Coventry and more importantly, third place Middlesbrough. In that time, though, they have also had lapses in concentration, losing to Birmingham City, as well as Watford and a draw against Blackburn Rovers. So, let's what's taking place on Saturday. 11 games, as to come to expect. And we've got two big lunchtime games. Firstly, Blackburn Rovers versus Sheffield United. A topsy-turvy season has recently taken another turn for the better for Blackburn Rovers after an impressive 2-1 win over Leicester City in midweek not only extended their stay in the season's FA Cup but also extended their unbeaten streak across all competitions to 10. 
In, in true Blackburn Rovers styles, of course, that's five wins and five draws. Their fine form was also improved their chances of reaching the playoff spots, with three championship wins on the bounce, capitulating uh, them into fourth place heading into this round catapulting I've misread my script prior to those wins Yondal Thomason's men played out four successive draws with that seven game unbeaten streak in the league being their longest run since uh, a run of 10 ending in January 2022 Ewood Park has seen their side perform at both ends during this run with Blackburn going unbeaten in their last five matches while keeping four clean sheets in the process that bodes well for their welcoming of Sheffield United, who have only won twice from their last 16 league visits to Ewood Park. Although winning each of their last two home heads-to-heads should offer at least a little bit of inspiration. Paul Heckingbottom's troops are also secured a 1-0 win over Watford in their last league outing, putting an abrupt end to their two-game skid uh, and cementing their second-place position in the table. The Blades can thank the ability of their front three, uh, front third to slice through defences for their fine league season. Thus far, with only league leaders Burnley scoring in more championship games this campaign than Sheffield United. After the end of last round, their last three away performances have let them down, though, having drawn two and lost one, which won't offer encouragement considering their long-term history away to Blackburn. Now, the other game taking place at lunchtime, we've got the 100th edition of the Severn Side Derby between Cardiff City and Bristol City. And it will take on extra importance for the Bluebirds, with just four points separating them from the relegation zone. A two-game winning streak could help them ease their relegation fears, but came to an end with a recent 2-0 loss at Norwich that left manager Sabri Lamucci blenting, uh, lamenting his side's inability to take their chances. It's no surprise that he is frustrated by his site's inability to hit the net, with no team in the division scoring fewer goals than, Charlton, uh, than Cardiff's 25 this term. Lumucci may be host, uh, hoping a hostile derby atmosphere inspires a fast start from his side, although that appears unlikely as the Bluebirds have led in the league low four of their 34 league games at half-time this season. Bristol City have enjoyed their recent trips to the Welsh capital, winning each of their last three trips to the Cardiff City Stadium, while they all came by one goal margins. The Robins should have been full of confidence then, as they can extend that run given their, what, that they're unbeaten in the championship since Boxing Day. A tenth game without defeat would secure their longest undefeated run since October 19, uh, with their purple patch handing the Robins an outside chance of threatening for the playoff places in the final stages of this season. Closing that gap could depend on Nigel Pearson's side extending their solid form on the road as they had last lost a championship away game in October. Other games taking place in the championship this weekend. We've got Blackpool versus Burnley in what is first versus bottom, uh, which I can only wish the sincerest of hope to Mick McCarthy there because that will be a difficult one. Huddersfield take on Coventry City. Luton take on out of sorts Swansea City. Middlesbrough taking on Reading to hopefully put more pressure on uh, Sheffield United at the right end of the table. Millwall taking on Norwich in what will be, I think, a really, really tense affair, given both of them pushing for the playoffs and looking pretty decent this season. Rotherham United taking on QPR, a Rotherham side that have looked really hot and cold this season against a QPR side that are desperate for a win. And of course, under Gareth Ainsworth, hopefully getting his first points as QPR boss uh, the first time he's obviously been in charge of QPR for 13 years. Sunderland taking on Stoke City. Watford 
have Preston and Wigan taking on Birmingham City. 12 games taking place in League One now as well. So we will start with the lunchtime game of Morecambe versus Bolton. Morecambe find themselves still just outside of the relegation spots. But with Accrington having two games in hand on them and level on points with the Shrimps, this will be an absolutely essential game for Morecambe to really get something from. They're, of course, taking on a very, very strong Bolton side who currently find themselves in fourth place and up until Tuesday night looked really, really unstoppable. That was before, of course, they were stopped by Portsmouth. What will make matters worse for Morecambe is who Accrington are facing and they are facing Forest Green Rovers in what seems to be another six-pointer taking place down in League One as both teams are absolutely desperate for a win. Uh, Accrington have been in... Okay, sets of forms over the course of the last five games. They've had two draws and only one win and two losses. Whereas uh, Forest Green have only picked up recently one of their first points under Duncan Ferguson following a draw with Lincoln. Bristol Rovers taking on Barnsley. Cambridge United have Portsmouth. Cheltenham Town taking on Fleetwood Town. Important game in the playoff pushes with it sees Derby County taking on Shrewsbury Town. Derby hoping to try and inf- uh, join what has grown to be quite a strong top four in League One so far this season, which of course is Sheffield to, Wen- uh, Sheffield to Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth and Ipswich, as well as Bolton, and hoping to join that, rather than being pulled back into sort of the on-the-cusp bit, where we see the likes of Wickham and Barnsley. Uh, Shrewsbury, of course, are also on that cusp one. With a few other wins going their way, they really could find themselves in the top six. Ipswich Town taking on Burton Albion. Uh, Lincoln take on managerless Oxford United. Plymouth facing Charlton Athletic. Uh, Port Vale have got MK Dons. Big game at the top, Sheffield Wednesday taking on Peterborough at Hillsborough. So Peterborough, again, looking really out of sorts at times. They've looked amazing. They obviously thumped Plymouth last time, uh, last weekend, and then have only gone and got a draw during midweek. And Wickham Wanderers taking on Exeter City. So, as I mentioned, we've actually got plenty of games for us to cover in League 2 as well. And I would like to start with a slightly one, a slightly unexpected, and that is Bradford City versus Colchester United. The reason I would like to focus on that one is because Colchester United have a new manager. Although there was plenty of, uh, let's say, media uh, speculation around Gareth Ainsworth leaving Wickham Wanderers after many, many years in charge to take on Queen's Park Rangers, um, what was covered in slightly less detail was who was already lined up to become the Wickham boss. That was, of course, former Wickham midfielder Matt Bloomfield, who joined them uh, and was a huge part to play in their huge championship run during the COVID years, uh, but um, over you know, a couple of years ago for the Chairboys. He, of course, was in charge of Colchester United, and it was seemed fairly straightforward. He hadn't been in the job all that long, but I think given his uh, huge ties to the club, it seemed um, fairly straightforward from the Wickham hierarchy. So, Colchester were without a boss, and having spent big money during January, they really needed someone that was uh, they could highly rely on, and they've gone and gone for manager Ben Garner. Now, people uh, of the EFL Review may know Ben Garner as the football coach that was most recently in charge of Charlton Athletic. 
He's also uh, managed Bristol Rovers, Swindon Town, uh, uh, as well as has been uh, I think a fairly quiet youth career. He started off as a youth coach at Crystal Palace's academy before being promoted to a first team coach and has also had managerial ex- well, coaching experience out as the assistant uh, for, at West Bromwich Albion uh, a fair few years ago now, as well as Indian Super League club ATK. So, as we always like to do at the EFL Review, we always like to try and get at least one interview, where possible, with the new boss. So, I'm uh, delighted to announce uh, Colchester's new boss, Ben Garner. Ben, been appointed Coach United uh, head coach. How did that all come about? And you must be pleased that you're, you're back in the game. Yeah, delighted to, to get the opportunity to, to come and be here at Colchester. And um, it came around over a week ago now and um been some really good conversations with with Dimitri with Robbie um with the other members of the board and staff at the club um and it's it's been really good conversations it's uh, a big attraction for me was the the structure in place and and the vision moving forwards uh, and can't wait to get started and looking forward to the opportunity you know was there other things about Coach United that you knew before or that you've learned since those initial conversations that made it a better fit for you or an easier fit for you? Yeah, I mostly I knew the club in terms of playing here several times. So, you know, I knew the stadium, I knew the environment, um, you know, and experienced the support here and, and how the stadium feels, if you like. Uh, and then once, obviously, conversations start, you start doing your, your background checks and you do the due diligence on the club. Um, and like I say, with the, the questions I've asked and sort of... Um, requirements I would look for moving forwards have, have, have been um, really positive in terms of the conversations that we've had and I think there's real potential now and I, I think I'm I'm taking the job at a really good time um, and the right time in order for us all to, to move the clubs in the direction that we want to go. Yeah and that initial direction will be to get well away from the, the bottom of the, the division mm. initially. Yeah I mean this season is you know, make sure we stand in division. Make sure we're, we, you know, we're we're solid for next year, and 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 then it's looking forwards. And um, you know, we'll be looking to to improve things for for next season. Start working on that now. Start looking ahead in terms of recruitment and where we want to where we want to take the squad. And as I said, I think it's uh, it's going to be exciting. We're, um, you know, the conversation we've had, we've been excited about, and we're looking forward to it. And um, as I said, really looking forward to this opportunity and. I feel there's real potential here to, to make a difference in a short space of time. And the business that the club did in January would have helped the squad. And of course, they, they're probably all players that you feel now you can mould into what you want from a, a football team. I think it was a really strong uh, January window and that, that's made a difference in terms of the results since. You know, you can you can see that. So um, there would be some really good recruitment, some really shrewd recruitment there. Um, and we'll be looking to do that again in, in the summer. You know, we want to uh, get as strong a squad as possible. But the focus for now is, you know, there's still plenty of games this season. We want to finish as strong as we can, win as many games as we can and start establishing the, the habits, the culture, the, the performances that we want going into next season. And you yourself personally, you're still quite young in terms of how many senior jobs you've had at the club, but you've worked with some very, very good managers and you must have picked up some really good things from them. Of course, you know, I've learned throughout my career of, of all the people that I've worked with, I think as long as you're open-minded and, um, you know, you should always have the humility to do that. And I've worked with some top, top people, learned an enormous amount. Um, but I've always had my own principles and views on the game. And um, I feel very experienced. I don't feel inexperienced at all, even as a manager. 
Um, you know, I've had over 120 games now, over 250 as, a, as an assistant and a, and a first team coach. I've worked in all the divisions in this country and, and through the academy setting. So um, I, I feel really experienced and, and in a really good place. And um, hopefully Colchester will now will benefit from that and we can do good things moving forwards. And in the middle of that career, you're talking about how important and interesting was the experience you had abroad in India? Fantastic. It was it was a great football experience. You know, the opportunities were with Steve Coppola, who was someone that um, I had huge respect for and still do. And um, the football experience was great, but as a life experience, it was it was incredible. And uh, and probably the one experience in, in my life that I would say changed me the most as a person from a football point of view and, you know, what you see out there um, and uh, some of the poverty and, and some of the struggles they have in the country. But how the people deal with that and how happy they are with, with their situation and um, and the love they, they have for each other. It was an incredible experience and, um, and one that certainly changed me when I came back. Yeah, and can can you use some of those principles in life and in football that you learn over there, yeah. over here at Coach United? Yeah, of course. I think, um, first and foremost here, you know, I'm walking into to, to a new group and... and um, not many that I've known or worked with before, maybe one top of my head, maybe two. Um, but first of all, they're people, you know, and uh, everyone's got a, a different background, a different story. And we, we've got to come together as, as a group and be the best we can as a, as a group of people. But it's my job to understand what each individual is about, where they've come from and where they want to get to in the future. And um, that's life. You know, that's uh, uh, the job in many ways is getting the best out of people. And, and from a football point of view, we want to play in a certain way and we want to we want to win games and be successful. Yeah, and for Coach United sports that might not know how you go about playing football, is there a way that you like to prefer to play? Yeah, I've got very clear principles about the game that I like and a, and a, and a, a game model, if you like, of, of, of how we will play. And um, I believe in that. I believe in it very strongly. And uh, I think it will bring success given the opportunity to do that. So... Um, I, I'm a you know a coach a manager that, that likes having the ball. I, I much prefer having possession and, and being on the front foot. And same about the ball. I want the team to play with energy and um, and press well and, um, and and try and be the team that's pushing in the game. I'm not a, you know not one that wants to um, just sit and let other teams have the momentum and play on the counter attack. That's that's not what I believe in. So we'll be um, putting in principles in place pretty quickly. Um, and looking to develop that this season, but also moving ahead into next season as well. Best of luck to him in his new role, taking on an experienced coach in Mark Hughes in a fairly decent side in Bradford City. is not exactly what he was ideally looking for, but I'm sure he'll make a good first impression. Other games taking place in League Two this week. We have AFC Wimbledon taking on Mansfield Town. Carlisle United have got um, probably still slightly drunk Grimsby Town following their celebrations against Southampton. Harrogate have taken on big money spending Gillingham in what will be a really important game at the bottom end of the table. Both teams wanting to pull further and further away from the dreaded bottom two. Leighton Orient have got uh, Swindon Town. Northampton facing out of sorts Crawley. Rochdale have got Stevenage. It's uh, not a match they were ideally looking for given their rock bottom of League 2. Stevenage hoping to pile further pressure on the Orient. Salford City have got Newport County. Stockport County have got Doncaster Rovers. Sutton United take on Crewe. Tranmere Rovers have got Hartlepool United. And finally, Walsall 
take on Barrow. So, with that in mind, that brings us to the end of the EFL review. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back on m- Monday to cover all of the games that took place. But until then, I hope you have a lovely weekend. Thank you very much for listening. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.